Hi, everyone, and welcome to season four of the podcast. I'm super excited to be back and to announce that the podcast will now be called the Holistic Pharmacy Podcast to better reflect the subject matter. The first few episodes were recorded before the rebranding, so I still refer to it by its old raw fork name in those. Anyway, I had no idea when I started this podcast that it would evolve to this format, but I did know that I wanted to share people's stories. It has evolved from me reading my blog post out loud to interviewing non-traditional pharmacists, including herbalists. Season 4 will air every Friday, highlighting inspirational pharmacists that chose to fit out of the proverbial box and are working to build a new system of care focusing on natural and preventative medicine. Please enjoy the show. Hi, welcome back to the show, everyone. I have a very special, vibrant, passionate guest for today's episode and can't wait to get started. Before I do, though, I'd love to invite you all to join myself and Dr. Stephanie Gaglione of Biophilia Wellness in a very special event we have planned for you. We'll be hosting a guided nature and herbal therapy experience on Sunday, May 16th in a local New York City park and are inviting you all to tune in virtually. Check out all the details for this and my upcoming retreat in Costa Rica this June under the event tab of drmarinabooksof.com. Or you can check it out on any social media at my tagline at Raw Fork. So now let's get back to the special programming. Today's guest, Dr. Nandita Kuri's experience began as a medical records custodian in 2003, working in a general physician's office. She explored the pharmaceutical industry working to fabricate nanoparticles as a researcher during her years earning her doctorate of pharmacy at Nova Southeastern University. Since then, she also worked hands-on with patients and medications through community pharmacies, including Walgreens, Publix, and CVS. Dr. Kuti pursued a clinical role as she entered into hospice care under ProCare Pharmacy before gaining additional experience in a position working long-term care at Polaris. Her experiences have made her well-versed in topics surrounding nutrition and chronic disease management of almost every disease state with patients of all ages and various special populations in a multitude of settings. She gained additional knowledge studying abroad in London, France, China, and Japan that has allowed her to share effective herbal therapies that have been successfully utilized for thousands of years. Her personal experience with gestational diabetes in 2019 led her to passionately pursue the development of the Diabetes Management Telehealth Program as a national telehealth network liaison. She liaises between pharmacies, physicians, third-party payers, and most importantly, patients to establish a continuum of care from the physician's office to the patient's homes. Dr. Kuti empowers pharmacists and physicians to effectively manage diabetic patients who suffer from obesity in underprivileged areas through education. In 2020, Dr. Kuti took her experience to Northern California, where she currently promotes county and state collaboration of independent pharmacists and physicians. By 2021, she had blazed a trail to bring inpatient remote services to outpatient settings by working to integrate pharmacists into collaborative roles in 10 states. Dr. Kuti is also an active independent community pharmacist, life coach, entrepreneurship coach, educator through the provision of pharmacist refresher courses. 
and she's the preceptor for Tura University and the University of Kansas and a biblical counselor for the promotion of the spiritual health in any patient population. So without further ado, let's welcome her to the show. Hi, welcome to another episode of the Holistic Pharmacy Podcast. I have with me today, Dr. Nandita Kuti. She's a functional medicine pharmacist who specializes in remote patient management. So welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for taking the time. I know you're such a busy gal and I'd love to get into all the projects that you're working on. But first, can you tell us a little bit about your background, where you grew up, and how you came to the pharmacy profession? I was born in Trinidad and Tobago in the West Indies. It is a really small island, the last of the Caribbean islands, right above Venezuela, above South America there, for those of you who don't know. Uh, moved to Florida as a wee lass, and grew up here for a little bit, moved to North Carolina for a couple of years, back to Florida, to Houston for three and a half years, back to Florida, and now I'm in California, of all places, all the way on the other side of, of uh, now on the West Coast, and um, I got into pharmacy for a couple of reasons. I started off kind of exploring what I wanted to do career-wise in middle school when I was in Houston, and um, fell upon sciences for sure. I liked life sciences, but wasn't sure exactly where in there I was going to fit. I was really into NASA at the time, space medicine, biomedical engineering, and then we moved to Florida and I had to figure out, okay, we're not close enough to Cape Canaveral for me to do anything there. There's really only uh, analytical sciences there. There's no biosciences there. What am I going to do? And so my uncle was a pharmacist um, and my brother was pursuing pharmacy at the time. He was a technician. I said, you know, well, little sisters do what their big brothers do. So I'm just going to do what he's doing. And I was like, this is, this looks like a good idea, you know, and, and it was a terrible way to choose a career path, <laughs> but I don't regret it. You know, I, I have no regrets for anything that has happened and it's all been according to God's plan and it's worked out in my favor. I love it. Um, I started off in retail pharmacy, of course, like my brother and uh, moved from retailer to retailer, you know, just searching for a culture that I could stand behind. And what I discovered was that um, no matter where people are in pharmacy, unless you've created a space for yourself, it's never gonna be 100% what you want, you know, when you're working for someone else. And, uh, and it was really what inspired me to pursue entrepreneurship and, and building something that didn't exist. So that's when I really, um, thought after, after about five years, four to five years of practice, I decided to start uh, Perfect Balance Healthcare, doing patient to patient care in the community, green market events, um, came out with a line of teas. I studied abroad a bit in China and Japan, um, London and France, learning natural remedies and um, traditional Chinese medicine and kind of trying to bring those Eastern ideas to the West especially with having an Indian background, some of the Ayurvedic um, things that my grandmother taught me that I've, I found success with in my family. And just really bringing that to patient care and helping them take more organic, uh, responsible approaches to their care, giving them control and empowering them to take control of their health by focusing on the underlying issues that are causing them to have the health problems that they were having. So using teas as a way to open up that health conversation and present myself as a medication expert to help them get off of meds that they don't need um, and focus on the therapies that, that they do need and, and how to save money and, and how to 
to um, remain adherent and compliant and, and figure out how to con how to fix the different aspects that contribute to their health outside of medications and 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 not taking it from uh, you know a therapy first standpoint, but just really working on the lifestyle modification piece and looking at nutrition, spiritual health, taking a holistic full perspective approach to optimizing their care. So that's pretty much where I'm at now is trying to des design different models in which pharmacists can integrate themselves in primary care. Um, different primary care settings and really help to play in the same role that they do in a lot of inpatient settings where they're a part of the care team, they go on rounds and um, they have a huge impact at the point of diagnosis and, and not at the end of the line. So how do we establish a continuum of care from the point of diagnosis through the pharmacy to the patient's homes using remote patient management services and really establishing ourselves as that glue in the community? to help patients get to goal and to find the success in their health that they're looking for. Wow, wow, wow. That sounds amazing. I mean, you're preaching to the choir here, I'm sure, but can you tell us a little bit more about, you know, that spark, you know, what you saw that made you unhappy with the way pharmacy was practiced and also what are the steps that you took to educate yourself on the other modalities, as well as how you plan to use technology and this integration work to further the profession? Absolutely. So essentially what I was seeing, I was working with the big box chains. Um, you know, when you're in school and you have this student loan debt looming over you, uh, and, and in class, literally all they're talking about is hospital versus working the bench at a big box chain. You know, it's really hard for you to marry yourself to the idea of even exploring an independent pharmacy option um, because you're worried about job security. And it's a huge misconception, the idea of job security existing in any corporation or any employer, so to speak. And, and, um, and really, that was something that it took me some time to realize that sometimes, you know, higher pay or a better location may not take priority in your life, especially once you enter into parenthood or you have other aspects of your life come into play. And, and I was a parent in pharmacy school, so I got it early. You know, I saw the reality of life at a much younger age than most pharmacists would. So essentially I was working in um, big box chains. I, I really wasn't um, exploring opportunities in independence. I had heard horror stories from my friends who were working in the hospital environment in uh, South Florida basement, um, understaffed, overworked, high risk. Um, and I, I was scared, you know, I, I ended up taking what I thought was a more secure job position um, and a happier environment, but it, it ended up being quite the opposite with the places I was working at. And I couldn't agree with the culture. I couldn't agree with um, the way that I was going about practicing. I felt like I was just fleeing prescriptions across the counter and hoping that they were right. I didn't have a chance to look at the patient profile. I didn't get a chance to talk to the patients. The technicians had a better relationship with the patients than I did, um, which is pretty standard, but I didn't have any clue what was going on with them. And all I can figure out was how to get lane three going and the, the lady who's looking for the diapers in all seven uh, to, the, to those diapers. And, and it was crazy. And I felt like, you know what? This has got to stop. I pledge an oath to do no harm. And I don't feel like that's what's going on here. And it wasn't that I was making a lot of errors or getting dinged by, by my higher ups or anything like that that made me realize that. It just didn't feel right, morally speaking. And so I did a little bit of soul searching and, and said, you know what? Well, then it's my responsibility to do something about that. And so that's really what sparked the change for me is I craved 
the reason that I got into pharmacy school, that patient interaction, you know, and, and having that relationship and being able to have an impact on patients lives by sharing with them the knowledge that we learn through our experiences and through school. Um, and so that's really what shifted me into the entrepreneurship was I wanted to work in the community. I wanted to work with patients. I wanted to help really help them and not just hand them medication or a bandaid to the situation. Um, so that was, that was really it for me. Yeah. Amazing. So what did you do once you realized that? And once you um, knew that something was not right, how did you take responsibility and what did you do next? Well, at first um, I thought it might be a good idea to try to partner with the corporations I was already working with. And um, some of them stole my ideas. Others of them didn't believe I was capable of doing it. And so I went on a renegade to just prove to myself and to the people I wanted to work with that it was possible and that I could and was capable of doing that. And pharmacists are capable of doing that. So, um, you know, the starting point for me was talking to other people who were in, in entrepreneurship. I had just started a new relationship with my current fiance at the time. And he was a, he's self-employed and, and has a business and he was really able to be that person to tell me exactly how to do it. You know, it's good when we hear coaches and, and different um, business people out there telling us that, you know, you should start your own business or you should, you should do your own practice or consulting or whatever. But it's like, okay, well, how do you start your own business? <laughs> you know, like, what do you physically have to do? Like, where do you start? Right. And so having him was, was really beneficial for me um, as a support person to help me understand exactly how to start my own practice. And that's something that I now turn around and help other pharmacists do as well. Wow. Amazing. So how did that work for you? What were your first steps and what did it, you know, what was the journey like for you? Yeah. So I realized that, you know, he was from Boston and here we were in Florida and, you know, he had just transitioned. So I learned, okay, well, there's difference in opening your business state by state and having to look into, okay, what are the requirements from the state maybe? And then the other thing that I kind of ran into was I didn't want to register something that wasn't going to work. So I had to do back up a bit and say, okay, well, what's available, what's already being used, you know, um, and, and doing it that way first before even starting. And, and I think sometimes as pharmacists, we get stuck in analysis paralysis or we get stuck in trying to get ready to do what we're doing instead of just doing it. Yeah. <laughs> and so I was very much one of those people who was just already rowing the boat without knowing like where, what island I was going to. <laughs> I just need to get out of here and I'm going to start rowing this boat. And so that's basically what it was. It's just kind of like, researching as I went and just building as I went. So learning accounting, um, you know, learning about the services that I was going to provide, um, trying to figure out how to learn to market, how to position, how to lead generate, how to create content, how to build a website, you know, all of these things all kind of happen as needed. And that's pretty much how it is sometimes in life. You know, we can't say that we have an entire roadmap for how something's going to work. And then it's all going to play out that way because life just doesn't work that way. And I think as pharmacists, we sometimes struggle with that because we feel like we need to get credentialed to that, to be able to do something. But I quickly recognized my value having spent so much money to go to pharmacy school and getting a doctorate. And then people saying, oh, well, do you have this? No, I don't need that because I've been practicing <laughs> for X amount of years and I've been doing it for free. So I have the experience. I'm fully qualified. And the patients that I've impacted are living testimonials to me of the value of what I can offer. So 
Um, and that's that's the other benefit of of entrepreneurship, right? Is you don't really have to prove yourself to to anyone that you're you're capable of doing that. You could just go out and do it. Yeah, absolutely. And also, I just want to highlight that it's not the easy path out. You know, if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. Everybody would be an entrepreneur. And right now, more than ever, we're seeing that this is a possible path. But once you embark on it, you know, yeah, like you said, you have to figure it out one step at a time because there is no roadmap. Once you're creating something of your own, you're the one creating that roadmap and you're you're going to have to figure it out one step at a time. So right. it's not like, you know, your boss is going to give you deadlines and uh, priorities and things like that. And then you have to follow it. You actually have to become the leader and the one who does it, you know, the executive person, the creative person, everybody just all in one person when yeah. you start out. And I think that's a huge part, Marie, you know, you, you touched on so many things there, but the, I think one of the biggest things is being organized and creating a schedule for yourself that you can create that self-discipline and that practice and slow progress that eventually amounts to something fruitful and, and material that you can actually, that's tangible that you can hold on to. Um, you know, one of the, the biggest things for me was kind of defining, okay, I know what I want to do. I know what patients need, but how do I make this profitable? You know, how do I survive on, yeah. on doing this? Like, how do I, I do this in a way where it's mutually beneficial, but I'm not ripping people off or how do I make it accessible to them? You know, and, and I struggle because I mean, like I said, I started off on, on cash patients and it was a hard sell. You know, we're dealing usually in the pharmacy. You, I don't have to tell you if it's not free and if it's not ready now, it's hard, <laughs> it's a hard sell, right? Uh, so, you know, kind of like working with patients to really articulate the value of what I was providing um, was key for me in, in that. So really, that's one of the first things that you kind of have to define is first, you know, know thyself. So what is it that you're really your gift? What is your gift that you have to offer your God given gift? And then once you identify that, trying to figure out how to help that fit into society's restrictions of how, to, how you're going to practice and, and make it work to do it. So that's really, it took a lot of, um, speaking to God, you know, being led by the Holy spirit to try to figure out exactly how to make that work. And, and the more I develop my relationship spiritually, the more success I found with, with my business. And that's what I really am encouraging other pharmacists to do at this time is to incorporate concepts such as biblical counseling, um, and spiritual health into practice. So crucial, not just for us as practitioners, but for our patients as well to find success. Yeah, I think last time you and I spoke, we touched on some metaphysical and theoretical things like, you know, that in order for a concept to come to life and become a reality, 99% of that lies in visualizing the what and the why behind it. And only 1% is just how you'll get it. The execution, so, yeah. Yeah. So once you are actually so focused and so sure of what it is and why it has to happen, you know, life will give you the tools and the clues and the hints and the opportunities to actually execute it. A hundred percent. You know, um, I lost my thought. It just flew. Right <laughs> <laughs> what was the first thing you said? Uh, well, when we spoke last time about the 99% of the white. Oh, here we go. Yeah. I have a, testimonial for that. Okay. I actually searched up like hundreds 
of homes for my first house when I was ready to, to buy my first house. And I literally printed out the picture of the most ridiculous one I didn't think I was ever going to get. <laughs> and I put it up on my mirror where I got ready for work every day for a big box chain. And I was like, man, I really want that. You know, I got to figure out now here's, here's where people struggle, right? They oftentimes they try to, they're focusing on the, the why and the how, but they're not really focused on the what, right? So what is it that I need to do to get where I want to be? What are you willing to do to get where you want to be? And so just really defining, okay, what is required for whatever it is I want to do and just do it instead of saying, okay, well, I need to prepare this and I need to prepare and like, well, what would people think if no, forget all of that. It's like, what is it that you need to get to do to get where you want to be and just it exists, you can do it, you know? And even if it doesn't exist, you can create a way for it to happen, you know? So, and that's really, uh, you're right. Visualization is, is huge. I have a million books that I write in every day. <laughs> I do this, um, you know, keeping track of, you know, I'm really hands-on, you know? So I have obviously virtual assistants, but having physical, physically writing your dreams and your goals is important. I'm actually doing a hundred day series right now on dreaming your heart out by Katie Fultz. It's a devotional and just day by day being mentally present in your overarching goals is important to achieve them and really visualizing them, meditating upon them and, and considering what it is that you can do today to find one step closer to that, you know? Absolutely. And so I'm curious what happened to that dream house. I bought it within, I actually, had applied for it and it had been on the market for four days and there was already four offers on the house and I literally got approved and turned the key within two weeks which was mind-blowing most homeowners do not get through with the processing of an application and to turn key that quickly wow. um, definitely divine <laughs> for sure and it was it was just a dream home for sure. Um, I ended up selling it last year, literally a week before COVID hit. Wow. <laughs> when I decided that I wanted to move to California, I was like, man, okay, what's next? You know, like what else? <laughs> <laughs> so I guess that was a blessing too. It was motivational. It was like, yeah. dude, I can really achieve anything that I really put my heart and mind and soul to. And, and it was an eye-opening experience and it happened quickly. I wasn't experienced. I wasn't expecting anything like that to happen for years after, you know? So we, sometimes we limit ourselves to our beliefs um, of what we are and aren't capable of doing. But once you take away the boundaries and the fears and the doubts, it's limitless. Yeah. Yeah. That is key. And many of us are standing in our own way so yeah, I'm excited yeah. to dream with you though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's really exciting that we're all creating and co-creating this new reality and showing other people what is possible and new paradigms and ways of being and ways of practicing ways of serving one another. So, um, I want to also know how you, uh, you know, transitioned from the chain job out to do your own thing like did you have to quit cold turkey or did you you know manage to get a few clients here and there and how did you build out that business portion 
Yeah, so this is something that's it's so important. I'm glad that you're asking because it is exactly what I coach other pharmacists on is how do you make that jump? How do you make that leap of faith? What do you mm -hmm. have to have? Well, there was a couple of factors for me, but I'm also noticing trends and other success stories. And I'm trying to document those so that I can point them out. And um, one of those things is people are stuck in a cycle, okay? How do you stop the cycle to where you can become aware of what else you could be doing and how to do it and create a plan for it, right? Not that anything goes as planned, but at least you're taking <laughs> action to move into another direction and then you can kind of steer your way from it once you get away you know, from the shore. That for me was making the commitment to sell my home to have extra cash on hand, to allow for that transition to happen. What can you do? What can you invest in, you know, um, to allow yourself some more flexibility with your cash flow? That's important. If you don't have an extra 10K laying around, it's impossible, in my opinion, to make a shift to another state or, you know, to be able to buffer yourself for a job change or whatever. Right now, on average, it takes about two months from what I've been seeing for pharmacists to switch into a different position from the point of application to interview to actually being trained and seeing their first paycheck, right? Um, so whether it's a shift or whether it's shifting into your own practice, you gotta stop and create space for yourself to grow. So for me, that looked like shifting to part-time and selling my house, you know? So I intentionally bought my house to sell it, <laughs> even though it was like, to me, it could have been a forever home, you know? Um, so that having cash on hand is important. I, I won't say that, you know, hopes and dreams are enough. Faith is enough. God is enough. He's sufficient, but you still have a responsibility to do your part, right? So cash on hand. Second thing was having a financial advisor. That's a huge step. Someone who can actually strategically help you work with your personal situation. My financial advisor is amazing. His name is Kason Parker. You guys can look him up on my profile. I'll be happy to share his info in the comments. Amazing. Being able to save strategically also. Um, so those were two, two factors, but the third thing was creating time. Time is money too, to be able to build your business. So shifting to part-time was one strategy that I had, but I had already built my business before I even switched to part-time. So it can't, I won't say that it can't be done because I did it. I was literally just building my business four days a month on my days off, you know, on the weekends and just going out in the community and starting, starting to work. Um, so yeah, I built my own clientele at first and that allowed me a little bit of cash to be able to reinvest into the company to grow it a bit. Um, so a lot of us, you know, we can't afford to, to take the leap. Having a significant other um, helps if they're contributing financially to be able to allow that to happen. Um, some people, they went on maternity leave and that's when they, it happened for them. Some people got laid off and it was a blessing because it forced them to grow their dependence on God and to do something different. Um, and so what is the wrench in the wheel for you? I know some people, they go on a retreat for a week or a weekend and it, they're intentionally meditating upon what they're going to do to be able to feel like that every day, you know? And so that's really the key is to stop somehow stop, really consider what's going on with your life, who you want to serve, how you want to work, and then reposition yourself and go from there and come up with a plan as to exactly what you want to do, what it takes to get there and map it out, talk to other people. You know, um, one of the biggest problems I had starting off was I started off with a business partner 
And, you know, we ended up not having the same end goals for the, for the company. And so we ended up going our separate ways. Um, and, you know, I felt like, okay, well, I have to do this on my own now. And that was the worst mindset to have <laughs> because we have so many ideas that we can use to help each other. And when you combine the time of more than one person, you're able to a- accomplish so much more. So it wasn't until I began networking um, with other pharmacists and other physicians and other practitioners that I was able to create a more robust program for myself and practice overall. Yeah, I love that, you know, the point of stopping and reevaluating because we have to have somewhat of a shift or a switch in our perspective in order to do something different. Otherwise, we're stuck in that cycle that you were talking about. So we need to break out of that cycle, whether it's through meditation or a specific event that's a catalyst or any other, you know, hardship sometimes. Take advantage of it. You got laid off because of COVID, take advantage of that, you know, like don't, don't waste it or don't wait for something tragic to happen to spark that, to spark your dream, you know, igniting. So, you know, really just creating that break in the cycle, as you said, is important. Um, One of the things that I did in the beginning that I continue to do now that was instrumental was yoga on a weekly basis where I intentionally had an hour to really just let everything go and really get creative in my attention and and my intentions. So yeah. Thanks for sharing your exact parameters because sometimes I think we also are too hard on ourselves too. And we try to do everything in 24 hours and that's just impossible. So it's really good. Like you were mentioning before to schedule out your time and give yourself some compassion and grace too. If uh, you know you, it doesn't always work out how you planned it, but being consistent enough to give you that slow growing pace rather than you thinking, okay, that's it. You know, I missed one day and now I give up and you know, it's all over. So finding the balance between really pushing yourself to the limit, but also uh, being nice to yourself and giving yourself some grace. Well, I mean, tell me about your experience because from, from what I saw is I'll have periods of, you know, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, and you're failing, right? And it's mostly failure, small failures. And then you'll have a small success and it's so motivational for you to keep trying, 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 and, and whatever it was that allowed you to find that success. And that's how you grow, right? But what I found is sometimes when those small successes happen, they're leaps. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's like a leap from this, this, point where you were at, you know, for a long time to something astronomically larger that totally made up for the the time that you were struggling and failing. Right. So it's like, it may, may have felt like in the moment, oh my gosh, I'm struggling for so long. When am I going to find success? But when that success does come around, it ends up being completely worth it, you know? Um, So maybe not like time isn't necessarily proportionate with regard to success, you know, and not really judging it. And like you said, giving yourself grace in that and being patient and waiting on the Lord to really reveal to you your purpose and, and providing that path for you. Yeah. I think the only true failure is giving up. So as long as you're trying and doing your thing, eventually you'll get somewhere. It's just a matter of time and, you know, not giving up and trying different methodologies and trying new ways and being creative about it. 
Yeah. And what you'll find is that people are super supportive. You know, your smallest efforts don't go unnoticed and people will be like, you know what, thank you for doing what you're doing. And those little thank yous, they, they kind of like help you to get through the, the struggles sometimes. So just look for those and, and count your blessings and look for the silver lining. Yeah. So I want to know what services you started out providing and how your whole business structure works with uh, regards to networking and providing these remote uh, monitoring and managing services, and then what you're currently doing now. Sure. So um, as a pharmacist, I was product centered. <laughs> we come out of school, they tell me, oh, it's everything's patient centered, but no, it's not. You're really product centered at first. And that's really... Um, where I, I used that product centeredness that my patients were used to as a way to lead them to patient centered approaches. Um, so it wasn't that I was product centered, but I just recognized that that's the way that the market was working, right? Mm -hmm. So I started the line of teas, um, basically customized tea blends for different, to help support patients in different struggles that they might have, whether it's stress and anxiety or energy, um, and just really using that as an opportunity to open up conversation with them about their health. So then I can offer cash services such as cost savings program, nutritional guidance. I would do grocery walkthroughs to kind of help them point out things that they like that are healthy uh, and customizing that, uh, as well as giving them like a seven day meal plan. Um, I did monthly pill boxes and refills for that. I did custom tea blends where I put their name on it, <laughs> all this fun stuff. Um, and then I was like, okay, well, I want to start doing pharmacy services too. So I started doing MTMs cash and doing home visits and coming in and helping patients understand their blood pressure readings and their glucometer readings and, and really going through a full real MTM and gaining cash for it, it was amazing, <laughs> but extremely time consuming. And I was capping out on how many patients I can see per week, especially working full time in the big box chain, you know, how am I going to do this and grow? How am I going to scale it? That's where I also realized that MTMs alone wasn't enough. Uh, even in, in working alongside a physician, it wasn't enough to create a sustainable practice, um, due to patient pool issues and not, not utilizing some of the monopolies that are out there that have and offer those things for huge carve outs on the reimbursement. So that's when I started exploring what else can we do that is reimbursable? And mm -hmm. how do I get into and getting past that fear of dealing with the commercial payers and the and um, Medicare and Medicaid and all of this? And how do we do it? How do we do it? You know, so um, what is it that I have to do to be able to bill for these services was a question. And then I started just going with that and creating a whole menu of different services that we as pharmacists can do um, to to be able to really effectively have a difference in our patients' lives and be able to build a practice on that as well. All right. So how did you, did you do this all on your own or do you work with other pharmacists that you're all working and is it state specific or how did you design the whole thing? So I started off um, no longer limiting myself. I started off as a national telehealth network liaison. <laughs> and I, what I quickly realized is you are whatever you say you are. You know, so even though I wasn't necessarily national yet, just saying that I was opened up the opportunity for other people outside of my region to contact me for the services that I was providing. So that was one, number one thing is don't limit yourself to where you are currently with your business, but 
put yourself exactly, call yourself what it is that you want to do. And, and it'll happen if you, if you take the right steps, you know? So that was one. And then, um, I did go through coaching, um, for, to gain marketing skills and to understand the services better, but what I couldn't find any one coach that was telling me exactly what I needed to do working with me, you know, where I wasn't part of some sort of group, um, or having to go through modules to figure out what to do. Like, why can't someone just talk to me and tell me without charging me hundreds and hundreds of dollars, you know, what it is I need to do from where I'm at. You know, I already have a business. I don't need to know how to do that. How do I do it from here? You know? And so I was like, you know what, I'm going to figure it out. And then I'm going to teach other pharmacists how to do it because that's what we need, you know? So, um, I started creating like a team of people and, I didn't at the time know how to like hang on to people I was working with. So they would be in and out, you know, like I'm working with this person. I'm not working with them anymore. I'm working with this person and they're helping me and they're doing something else now, you know? And so, and that was okay because they weren't employees and we were just bouncing ideas off of each other and growing together. So I kind of started off that way. Um, but then you get to the point where you're like, you know what, I want to like create more stable relationships and partnerships. And that's when I started creating partnership and affiliate programs for for what I was designing. So that was really how I was able to create a team of people to help me um, by playing on their skill sets and, and having a, a team, an elite team approach to, to getting things done. So that's my recommendation is network and find people who have the strong suits that, that supplement what you're doing and that you guys can synergize and, and grow together. People like you, Marina. <laughs> Yeah, thanks. I really appreciate that. Um, so can you tell me a little bit more in depth about what that menu boiled down to that you're offering to clients? And are you still working with just patients at this point? Or are you also working on mentoring other pharmacists? Yeah, so I realized that I am in love with the business side of pharmacy. <laughs> I was actually featured on the Business of Pharmacy podcast with Mike Kelzer, which was a lot of fun, right before I even started really doing it. So it was really hard to talk about what didn't exist, but it was motivational because I felt like it created a huge layer of accountability when I'm out there telling people I'm doing this and I am doing it, but it didn't really exist yet. Um, <laughs> so within a month, it existed. It was a motivation I needed to go out and do it because I, I don't like being a hypocrite. You know, So um, within two weeks, I had contracted my first physician out of Miami and was learning from him. How do you use the EHR? How do you document um, patients? How do you integrate software with practice and actually bill for these services? What are the logistics behind the practice? And what are the pain points that physicians are facing right now? And pharmacy owners, I actually started off working with pharmacy owners in the independent pharmacy space to bring um, independent pharmacists like myself to their practices to provide these services too. Um, but pharmacists are a tough sell, you know, we're really <laughs> skeptical. We are not risk takers. We like evidence for everything. And we were not built with that entrepreneurship dream that a lot of other practitioners have as they're in school and are intending to come out and try new things and be innovative and, and build their own things. So it was a tough sell. I ended up flipping the model and working with PCP first and then connecting uh, the pharmacies to the PCP. So that's basically where I'm at now is I'm not, no longer working on the patient level, but empowering other pharmacists and creating jobs for pharmacists um, by coaching them how to do what I'm doing uh, so that they can be the pharmacist in the model and also coaching them to scale to the business to business point where I'm at, where I'm basically encouraging practitioners to 
embed pharmacists to, to provide these services. So I'm at the point now where I'm working with outpatient PCP clinics and, and networks to be able to integrate pharmacy services, which is really exciting stuff. And I am just, you know, most people are like, I can't wait for COVID to be over. I'm like, this is great. <laughs> you know, all of these technologies and everyone's so willing to connect virtually. It, it basically helps me to expand my reach um, to be able to have an impact pretty much anywhere. Working with physician in Michigan and Alaska, Nevada, Washington, all over Texas, you name it. It's, it's, like, it's just amazing. I'm, I'm so grateful for, for the walk that I've been able to walk. Yeah, so I know you've moved around quite a bit and you probably have a few different state licenses up your sleeve, but um, as re in regards to working either with patients in a specific state or a physician in a specific state, do you need to be licensed in that state to work and network? 110%, yeah. And I think there's a lot of... Um, there's a lot of problems right now with regulations surrounding telehealth services because it's so, it's not that it's new. Telehealth has been around for a long time. Remote patient management has been around for a long time, but only now have they really been taking a magnifying glass to these services and putting in a lot of restrictions with regard to who can do it, where can they do it, how can it be done? And that's basically where having someone like me comes into play because I can be that point person to say, hey, these are where the regulations are and this is how you avoid getting slapped on the wrist for fraud or for, you know, misusing codes and things like that. So what I've seen is some states are more restrictive than others. And it's, it's irregardless of provider status, it really comes down to being able to work um, in collaboration with physicians right now. And it's something that some people are looking at as a negative thing, but to me, it's exactly what I want. I'm trying to create networks where it's a multidisciplinary approach to care. And so I'm in love with the current climate with regard to us working in conjunction with uh, other practitioners to be able to provide these services and, and basically establishing that continuum of care we were talking about from the point of diagnosis through dispensing yeah. to the patient's homes using these services. But yeah, uh, to answer your question, basically yeah, every state's different. Um, with regard to what they require. Some of them have certifications they require for certain things. Um, certain codes require certain certifications. So it's really just about, you know, what is it that your practice needs that you aren't already doing that your patients aren't already benefiting from that we can offer to the table and then going from there. Um, so some of the services you had asked me earlier uh, include medication therapy management, transitional care management, remote patient monitoring, chronic care management. We do annual wellness visits, advanced care planning, immunizations, functional status assessments, behavioral health integration, adherence compliance. The list goes on and on. Um, but where I really help pharmacists and practitioners focus in is what is your specialty and what is your patient cohort like? You know, who do you serve? And then tailoring your services based on that, based on the community, really keeping it as a patient-centered approach. So are you basically creating jobs for pharmacists to step into to fill in some gaps that are, you know, lacking in our current model where the doctor can't devote all his time counseling? So the pharmacist would come in and take care of certain types of a pre-approved counseling model and yep. that may include, you know, functional medicine and optimization of medication and diet and lifestyle and all of that stuff. You've got it all figured out. <laughs> You've got it all figured out. Yeah, essentially, that's the idea, right, is right now there's a shortage of physicians. 
and there's an overabundance of pharmacists. So how do we marry the two? Because we can help each other out. You know, there are a million things that the physicians don't have time to do and their nurses are stacked and their staff is stacked that we can come in and we can say, Hey, don't worry about my salary. I'll cover it in reimbursement. You know, let me show you what I can do to bring to your practice and to really help manage these patients between encounters because they're falling through the cracks, you know, and we're ending up with all of this back and forth between the pharmacy and the practitioner. That's unnecessary. If you just had a pharmacist there at the point of the diagnosis, we're the medication experts, let us do our job. We'll stay in our lane. You know, we're here to support the practice and, and really help bring the patients to goal. So uh, utilizing these services to help support the practice and to also create more time for the physicians, more revenue, um, and to create a happier work environment for pharmacists where they can say, hey, I'm proud to be a pharmacist. This is what I went to school to do and more. And I'm getting it to do it my way. I'm getting to do the parts that I'm passionate about and, and playing on my specialties. Maybe you wanna work in conjunction with an infectious disease physician doing HIV counseling and, and really helping to um, helping an independent to earn those HIV scripts, you know, and, and working alongside them to do point of care testing in the community and things like that. And that's some of the other things I'm doing, you know, working with, obviously I'm in an independent right now as we speak, um, loving it here and integrating with the community. And these are just other things that we can do alongside um, to really keep our, our feet wet uh, and our hands busy with, with actually staying connected with what we do in our, our role uh, in the community as pharmacists. Wow. So is the main role then to fill in the gaps that there's just simply not enough time for, um, and then give more attention to the patient, get better patient outcomes. And also, uh, are, you, are the pharmacists talking back and forth to both private insurance payers and federal and uh, state payers? Yeah. So that's, that's exactly why I call myself a liaison. Cause that's what we yeah. do. We all do it already. We're the yeah. ones doing the PAs and, and all the interaction checks and all the interventions and calling the doctors and saying, Hey, the cardiologist didn't know that the PCP prescribed right. this. Why don't we just do it from the office, you know, and be available in all sites to be able to support the patients at multiple touch points. Right. So yeah, we're not there to be like the, to fill in between we're there to be be that continuum, right? So saying, hey, I'm a life coach to that patient. That's the role that I feel like pharmacists are perfectly fashioned for is life coaches. That's what we do. And we do it already for free. We counsel our patients, you know, for those of us who have time to, <laughs> we counsel our patients about life, you know, real life stuff, you know, how are we dealing with smoking cessation and, and addiction treatment and things, alcohol dependence, and really being there to support them in whatever it is that they're struggling with. Um, so, you know, that point that starts when they seek help at, at the primary care physician's office. So if we're there to do that, and they, you know, the primary care physician gives them an overall diagnosis, but the pharmacist is there to support them in managing that patient. And it's not just chronic cases. We can handle acute cases too. And, and those are reimbursable too. So there's a huge focus right now on chronic care management, but I'm trying to help shift this to preventative care and saying, hey, we can use these same services to prevent the strain that's being placed on the healthcare system if we catch patients that are new onset, you know, and really helping them get to goal before it's a bigger issue. Absolutely. You know, catching something early and focusing on prevention can save so much money and health outcomes in the long run that that is my passion as well. 
if you can't tell, but um, we only have a few minutes left. So I just want to quickly ask you what exactly you're doing right now and what is your goal? Like whether, you know, a short-term or a long-term goal for your company and um, yeah, what's next for you? I don't want to jinx it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to leave what you and I are doing in our back pocket. That's for the world to see eventually. The, 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 the big picture is what you and I are doing. But what I will share with you is where I'm at now in my journey. And um, so I do, I'm part-time. I took that leap. I took a, a huge leap. It's COVID, the state's burning over here. <laughs> landslides, you know, yeah. living is not, you know, cheaper than Florida. And I took a leap into a part-time what I thought was just going to be a floater position because I was like, man, I don't have time to manage anything. I just want to focus on the business. It ended up being an amazing opportunity to integrate doing county and state work, substance use abuse, HIV um, work in the community. I love, love, love the respect and appreciation I get um, and flexibility in my role with the the current independent that I'm working for. So that's where I'm at now is part-time at an independent pharmacy where I can keep my hands um, on pharmacy and actually understand what, you know, my, my colleagues are dealing with that I want to help. Cause in the end, that's really what I'm trying to do is bring this full circle to helping independent pharmacies, uh, to rise up against the competition and, and step away from all of the DIR fees and some of the things they're struggling with on the product side and step into the clinical services and helping them do that. So being in a place where I can start, you know, creating my own testimonials, working with an independent pharmacy owner, to do some of the things that he has envisioned and showing what else we can do as pharmacists um, when we have that flexibility of part-time is one of the things I'm loving there. And then with my business, uh, I've been reaching out, networking with, with uh, physicians, primary care physicians, and really looking at the clinic model and seeing how we can work and have more of an effect on the community in larger numbers if we work at the clinic level and get into primary care centers um, across the nation and, and figuring out how to work with these group practitioners to bring these services to groups as opposed to just single sole practitioners as I had started. So I do still have um, patients that I work with that are longstanding clients of mine that I've helped um, find success with their health through my wellness program and through my spiritual health program. Um, so I do see them probably for maybe 10 to 15 minutes out of my week, every week, um, but most of my spare time is dedicated to my family. And that's, that's the main goal for me is how do I find work-life balance and put myself in a situation where I can actually enjoy where I'm at um, and go to the waterfalls, go to the poppy fields, go to, you know, the mountains and the snow and Yosemite and all these different things that I, God called me here to enjoy his work um, and, and to do his work. And, and that's really Uh, allowed me to now fellowship in Christ and have time to do all the things and grow myself into a biblical counselor and coach others to do the same and incorporate those concepts as the core of pharmacy practice to really truly help our patients. Wow, that's amazing. That is the goal, isn't it? Just to have this beautiful balance and enjoy the present and have, you know, wonderful uh, plan for the future, but still being that a presence and gratitude. Absolutely. Um, so for my last couple of questions, I'd love to go into a rapid fire round. <laughs> so first question is, uh, what's your number one tip 
for people to start feeling their best right now? Yoga. <laughs> yoga. Believe it or not, I mean, it sounds silly. At first, I was like, I'm never doing yoga. I, you know, I, I, I didn't have any idea. But honestly, it helps so much physically, mentally, emotionally. And it's, it's so necessary. You know, so yoga is definitely my, my number one tip because it, it allows you to create that, that well, and, and for me, yoga isn't just yoga, but it's, it's my time to, to spend with God communicating with him on a regular basis. So starting my morning that way, uh, or, or ending my evening that way in communication with him is most important. You know, the glorification of God should be at the top of everyone's list. In my opinion, that's the most important thing. Yeah. And I love how yoga literally means like the marriage between these three things. And, you know, it's like allowing the mind and body connection and spirit and everything all in one. So I've also been recommitting to yoga as a regular practice as well. Um, yeah. Recently. So it's so like a misconception cool. that it's for Hindus only or for, you know, it's not it's any it doesn't matter what your belief system is you know, it's just an opportunity for you to have a more holistic um, impact on your life, you know, and, and ultimately the lives of others too. Yeah. And I would also say that it's become really trendy and just like another workout, you know, routine, but it really does marry and integrate a lot of concepts. So you can use it for healing the mind and body, you know, and use it for physical ailments. And it's just really wonderful. And then have that connection and that space and time to, to process spiritual questions as well. So uh, my next question is, what is your favorite hobby or pastime? Photography. I love photography. You know, Growing up, when we go through our, that teen phase, we're all about selfies and, you know, <laughs> focus on self. Uh, I've matured a lot in, in my spiritual walk now to where I can appreciate the things around me. And photography allows me to capture memories. Uh, what I realized, um, I was actually diagnosed with cancer at one point, uh, is that in the end, all we have is our memories. You know, all of these things, we're not, this world is not for us. It doesn't matter. All that matters is eternal life with him and and. I, I just love capturing um, his handiwork. You know, for me, photography really allows me to flex my creativity and um, and my perspective on on where I'm at and and where I want to be. So it's just something I do. I, I tried dabbling in the stock photo type thing. I never really got into it. I might I might try again and see. But um, for now, that's that's my my way of relaxing is getting out into nature and, and connecting with the elements. Wow. Yeah, that's beautiful. And wow, I had no idea. That's probably a topic for a whole other podcast, but I'm so glad you are healthy and happy today before me. Um, so last question is about your favorite beverage. Tea. <laughs> <laughs> I love teas. I make different teas. Um, throughout the day I drink, I'm drinking tea right now. I'm drinking a peppermint tea. I know it's like, it's going to be springtime and I'll still be drinking peppermint tea. <laughs> yeah. peppermint. I love teas. Um, I don't know. They just, some of them taste earthy. Some of them give me energy. Some of them help me sleep. You know, um, it just depends on, on what I have going on, but they, they definitely help a lot. You know, I think they're completely underestimated. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I think we share that in common too. So, 
lastly, I just want to really thank you for your time and please, please share your contact information with the listeners and how they can get in touch with you and learn from you. Absolutely. Well, I'm on Facebook, I'm on LinkedIn, I'm on Instagram, Twitter. Did I hit them all? I'm, I'm about to be on TikTok. So yeah, you can find me on any of the social media platforms, my first and last name really easily or Perfect Balance Healthcare is the name of my company. My email address is n.coody at pbh.life. Uh, that's n.coodie at p as in Paul, b as in boy, h as in henry.life. Uh, you can visit www.pbh.life if you're interested in booking a call with me. I'm open um, to anyone who, who I can help. So um, thank you so much, Marina, for this time. It has been a great pleasure sharing this time with you and, and, and our experiences. All right. Well, thank you so much and enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning into another episode of the Holistic Pharmacy Podcast. I truly hope you enjoyed the show and learned something new from it. I certainly get super inspired by the guests I have on. If the same is true for you, I'd really appreciate a five-star review on any of the podcast platforms and a shout out on social media. You can find me at my name, Dr. Marina Booksov, or at the tag at Raw Fork. So I look forward to connecting and I hope you have a great week ahead.